morning, everyone. Welcome to church. Stand to our feet as we start a new series today called GOAT, the greatest of all time. And so the greatest of all time is Jesus. He's the reason that we are here. And so let's just lift up his name. Let's worship him. He is the lion. He is the lamb. He's the conquering lion, the sacrificial lamb. And so let's worship him. Let's thank him for those truths as we lift up his name this morning.
praise this morning.
Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we're just so grateful, Lord, for your love and your grace. Lord, that you've allowed us to come here and to be in your presence this morning, Lord. We just ask that you would just be with us these next moments as we uh, just lift up praise to you and we worship you, Father. Would you just help us to uh, just focus in on you on these next moments that we have, Father? That we would set aside any plans and thoughts that we have for later in this day, Lord, so that we could just hear just so clearly your message for us today. Father, I just ask that you would just be with all of us that are here worshiping here or in the cafe or worshiping online with us. Be with our students and our children. Lord, we just ask that you be with Gay as she delivers the message today. Lord, use her in a mighty way. We give you all praise. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Well, good morning, everyone. All right. Well, look who's back. <laughs> You know, Jason took like a little two-year hiatus, and uh, he's back where he belongs. But let me say, uh, Jason has come back to join the staff here. He's working with Tone uh, with our students for now as he kind of assimilates back into Salem Fields. But Jason was here how many years, Jason? Well, on staff, 12 on staff 12 years and then he was gone for two years and he's back now so we don't know what god is doing do we we just follow the holy spirit and say we're going to be obedient to you so uh we're thrilled aren't we <laughs> yeah take it away jason well good morning thank you so much it's great to be home i say you know dorothy had it right there's no place like home and you know i i, I I'm appreciative of the past two years pastoring um, Connecting Point Church down in Goochland um, in that area, and it was a great experience, but it's great when, you know, God's calling is clear, and he's definitely called me back home to Salem Fields, so I'm excited about that. So well, we're, we're excited you're with us here. Welcome to Salem Fields. We're glad you're here worshiping with us this morning. Um, you know, if you're a first-time guest with us, we'd want to encourage you to go out to the, the lobby and uh, check in there at the table at the end and get your gift there. Um, now is a perfect time to pull out your phones and to check Check into Facebook, let people know where you're worshiping at this morning, and, um, and just a great way to connect. It's a great way for people to kind of check out. When you put it on Facebook, people will check out Salem Fields. It's their first kind of entry into Salem Fields and be able to join us for worship. It's a great way to get started. And I encourage everyone to pull out all your program this morning, the connection card, and, uh, and get that information, fill it out, and, um, because it's a great way to stay connected to us as a staff. And um, so we can find out what your prayer needs are, what those things are that uh, you need help with, and we're here for you. That's We're here to serve you, and, and uh, we want to assist you in those ways. And then during our next song, we're going to take our morning tithes and offerings. And so there's a lot of different ways you can do that, and I've got to, I've got to refresh my mind, so I've got to look at the screen for this. Um, we have our debit and credit machines that are down there in the kiosk, so you can use uh, those to give your tithes and offerings today. Um, you can also use the um, online app or our phone app. So download that app. That's a great resource. It's a great tool for you all to have lots of information and, um, that passes along through there, but it's a great way to give. Um, and then we can, uh, if you're worshiping with us online, you can also give um, by clicking that little give tab on your screen. Uh, and, and giving through that, as well as the, the ushers come by today, you can give in the, um, the buckets, the cash and gifts there as well. And um, uh, one way that's a really great way to, to consider giving is that of the automatic withdrawal. And um, it's just a great way. That way, it's kind of a no-brainer. That tithe just comes out, and, you know, you can go on vacation. You don't have to worry about, did I miss my tithe or anything? That's a great way to just kind of stay connected with that. And so one thing that's exciting I want to share with you about that real quick is that um, last week Buddy gave a tithe challenge, and we have, um, because of that, we have 18 new tithers, and so I think that's something to celebrate. And these are 
you know, tithing is a spiritual growth. It's, you know, it's not about the money coming to the church. It's about, it's about spiritual discipline and growth with God. And so that means 18 people are, are taking that next step to grow their relationship with God in a deeper level. And so if you haven't taken uh, part of that and you'd like to or you feel urged, the, the, you know, like this pulling on your heart to do that, there's lots of ways. It's not too late to be part of that tithe challenge. The card you can find in your program. You can go out to the Say Yes uh, table out there and, uh, and grab one of the cards there and fill it out, or they're at all the giving kiosks as well. And so um, just one last thing, we want to make sure that you know that um, all the announcements are in your program because we've got lots of events going on, and we remember that you forget about probably 90% of what I've said by the time you leave here today. So we just wanted to put those in there for you to take home, put them on your refrigerator so you know what's going on. And also in that program, you'll find an invite card for next week's uh, movie event. So we hope you have a great day. We're glad you're here, and we'll continue to worship. All right. Well, Jason didn't get a break from me for those two years, so... Unfortunately for him, he still stuck with me. Um, but anyway, we're starting a new series this week end, and it's called GOAT, Greatest of All Time. So I'm sure if you hear the word GOAT, you somebody comes to mind. Um, somebody put on Facebook, Tom Brady. <laughs> Whatever. I think of Michael Phelps. Who do you think of, Danny? Besides me. I mean, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> you win. Okay. Nobody can top that. Whatever. So anyway, this weekend we're talking about Deborah. Do you guys know who Deborah is from the Bible? Um, well, I don't want to give her story away because it's an awesome story and you're going to learn all about it. But one of the goats of music, the female goat of all time, is Aretha Franklin. So who else better to represent um, Deborah than Aretha? Or as I call myself, Urethra.
Christ to the cross to die for you. Ladies and gentlemen, the Beatles! Never turn your back to the poor, for in turning your back to the poor, you are turning it to Christ. Limits, like fears, are often just an illusion. I have a dream. Well, all right, let's look up there and name some of the goats of all time. Who do you see up there? Ali. Muhammad Ali. I'm glad you mentioned that. Look what I have. I lost it for a while and I got it back. So, in 1987... We walked into Shoney's in Charlottesville, and I said, it, 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 it's Cassius Clay. And I started stumbling all over myself. It was Muhammad Ali sitting in Shoney's waiting to be seated. Are you kidding me? If you're Muhammad Ali, don't you just get to go in and get a seat at Shoney's and get some strawberry pie? <laughs> And so I ran over to the card stock, and I ripped off a card. Uh, over here it says Virginia's for Lovers, a half of it. And, and I said, could you, could you sign this for me? I said, to G-A-Y-E. So right here it says, to gay, from Muhammad Ali. <laughs> and I said, do you have a little poem for me? And he goes, he says, move aside. <laughs> Jody was 10 years old. And he said, come over here. He loved children. And he said to Jody, he said, do you know who I am? And he said, she goes, no. <laughs> she, and he said, I'm Joe Frazier. <laughs> I love my autograph. I don't get starstruck very often. In fact, I don't know anybody else that that would happen to me with. But I grew up with my dad watching Muhammad Ali box every Saturday night. And now I watch boxing and I think, what the heck? <laughs> Why? But I think it was because it was with my dad. Makes, it's a big deal, isn't it? So if you want to see Muhammad Ali's, uh, you know, when he died, I wanted to uh, uh, post that. But I couldn't find it anywhere and it popped back up. Now the problem is, I'm not sure if I paid for this card. <laughs> oh well. And I think that Shoney's is torn down, so I'm not sure how I can make up for that. But that's exciting to me. And uh, he definitely, <laughs> thank you for sharing that. So who else do you see up there? Mother Teresa, yes. Now I have a friend that actually interviewed Mother Teresa. She went into the little place where she lived and the only possessions that Mother Teresa had was a McDonald's box with a couple of little things in there. That was Mother Teresa, and my friend got to interview her and spend time with her. Uh, who else is up there? Michael Jordan, yeah. Aretha, of course. Hey, and Aretha did not play the piano and sing, right? Jody did. <laughs> so I guess that makes her a goat. I don't know. Uh, and who do you see? Well, let's deal with this one first. <laughs> this is the original, folks. This is the one where he has the cigarette. That's pretty. I took the, the uh, vinyl out just in case anybody was tempted to steal it from me. <laughs> my grandson didn't even get this one. I gave him a bunch of my vinyls 
but he didn't get this one, Abbey Road. And I got to tell you that Jody and I have a picture walking across this road right there at Abbey Road. So that was almost like going to Israel. Not quite, but... <laughs> so anyway, there are a lot of goats. Billy Graham, every day I was going to bring my devotional book. I have a devotional book that's called Hope for Every Day. And I read Billy Graham every day. He's still making an incredible difference in my life. Just yesterday morning, what he wrote to me was amazing. Just the scripture and sharing that with me starts my day off just right. So there are a lot of goats. And uh, this series is, uh, we, it's from the Bible, the goats from the Bible. Now, we've got four weeks to do this series. And uh, how do you get four goats, greatest of all time, out of the Bible? There are lots and lots of them. But I can tell you that all four of these will be people just like this. But they were people who were willing to cooperate with God, to make themselves available to God, to cooperate with him, and then to give that talent back to the, back to the world. And uh, we have, that's exactly what these people did. They, they, uh, there's Martin Luther King Jr., and, of course, we can go to almost any city and drive on his parkway, can't we? I mean, he made a huge... I'm so thankful for what he did in this world. But all of these people, uh, really, what they did was they discovered and they developed and they delivered the gift and the talents that God gave to them to the best that they could. That's absolutely no different than every single one of us here today. God has placed a gift and at least one talent in every person. And it's just a matter of, is that person available to develop that, to discover that, and then to offer that back to the world? So we look at them and we hail them and I get a little excited about Muhammad Ali, but they're people just like we are. And these goats in the, in the Bible simply accomplished and cooperated with God to fulfill his purpose that he'd placed in them and that he wanted to make a difference in the world. And so that's what we're going to look at in this series. And you know, thanks to record keeping and historical documents and word of mouth, there are lots and lots of people that if we just mention their name, they're like household names, right? Like uh, Winston Churchill, everybody heard of him? Uh, Walt Disney, right? Amelia Earhart. Um, these are people, Abraham Lincoln, these are people that we know. We just mention their names. Thomas Edison, we just mention their names, and most people will shake their head, yes, I know them. Inventors, dignitaries, social activists. These are people that made it into textbooks and they made it to Wikipedia, right? You make it to Wikipedia, uh, that's a pretty big deal. That happens, we just mention we know. The same is true in the Bible. There are famous ghosts in the Bible. Name some famous ghosts that even, if you were talking with somebody that doesn't read the Bible, doesn't know much about it, what are some names that they would know about the Bible? Abraham. Abraham. Moses, John the Baptist, Jesus, Paul, Mary, the mother of Jesus, Judas, Judas. yes, 
yeah, even if people don't read the Bible, these are some goats that stand out uh, to them. You know, if you go to Rome and you go in the Colosseum, I've gotten to go there and I saw a bust of Paul. And it was really interesting to me because he's one of my heroes, but in Rome, in the Colosseum, he was a criminal. He was a criminal. They chopped off his head. It's a whole different perception of who Paul was there, but they certainly knew Paul and they knew the impact that he'd made in their city. However, there are lots and lots of people who've done some amazing things throughout history that have never gotten those headlines. We don't talk about them much because we don't know their names. Yet every day our lives are impacted and affected by the things that they did. They're people who changed the world and never got the headlines. There are a lot of people like that. Maybe they did the right thing at the wrong time. Maybe uh, them getting no credit was just a mistake. Maybe they were just overlooked and it was a mistake. Sometimes they were purposely erased because of societal con constraints like women down through history or like uh, segregation and different races. Sometimes they were wiped out of society's headlines. Lots of people that have been forgotten have been world changers and they deserve for their stories to be told as well. So I wanted to give you a couple of those people that we'll look at first. See if you know who this guy is. Anybody know who that is? Our life is affected probably every day of our life by what he did. He developed the television, but we don't know his name, do we? How many people watch television at least once a day? <laughs> All right, how about uh, Agent 355? Now this is interesting. Agent 355 was a female spy in the Revolutionary War, and in 1778, George, George Washington asked his intelligence chief to organize a top-secret network of spies. Are there any spies in here? <laughs> we don't know if, if I know at least one. <laughs> That's fun. Okay, uh, Agent 355 played a significant role helping to score one of the most important intelligence coups in the American Revolution. And to this day, her identity is still not known, but she was a major world changer. Agent 355, look her up and learn more about her. Now, here's Lise Meitner. Lise Meitner was a scientific genius. She was a physics professor, and she was the first German professor in a German university. So she was a, she was a genius, and she worked on radioactivity and nuclear physics. Now, when the Nazis rose to power in Germany, she was a Jewish scientist, so she had to flee her country, and she went uh, to Scandinavia, but she continued to work on what she was doing with her partner, Otto Hahn. And what they did was outline nuclear fission. Now, that may not mean a lot to you, but what their research did was it pioneered nuclear reactors. Does anyone use electricity in here? Our lives are impacted every day by what she did. And because she had gone, she was still working with her partner, but she did not get to share in the Nobel Prize in chemistry in 1944. Otto Hahn got that. 
And in the 90s, they realized that she was left out, and they awarded that to her in, uh, and gave her that honor after her death. But she did get a chemical element named after her. Isn't that pretty awesome? <laughs> it's called uh, 109 mitnerium, when you love to have a danurium. And a chemical element named after you. <laughs> but that was, that was her. Okay, here's Ada Lovelace. Let's look at her. She was a mathematician. She was known for her work with mechanical general purpose computers, the analytical engine. She published the first algorithm. Now, that may not me mean much to you, but she was considered one of the first uh, computer programmers. Anybody use a computer in here? <laughs> and uh, interestingly... Uh, I was talking to the guys as we were preparing, and Jamie knew who she was. <laughs> if you don't know Jamie, you would understand why Jamie knows who <laughs> Ada. Jamie is a genius as well. And so, okay, look at this one. Hedy Lamar. Anybody hear of Hedy Lamar? Yeah, you watch old movies? Well, Hedy Lamar was considered the most beautiful woman in the world. But Hedy was a whole lot more than a pretty face. A lot of people enjoyed kind of looking at her, but Hetty was an entrepreneur. Her bio said she was an entrepreneur, and she was constantly looking at the world and thinking, how can I improve that? How can I improve that? And so her curiosity pushed her to invent something positive during World War II. And she drew, she looked at a, uh, a piano, and she drew on the mechanics of the piano to create. Now, I wish Colin was telling you this, because he could tell you exactly what it is. He explained it. I can't. I have to read it, because it goes way beyond me. But here's what she did. She created a frequency-hopping spread spectrum system, and anyone in the military will know how important this is, because it was designed to protect the allied radio communications from being intercepted by the enemy. Now that may not say a whole lot to us, but she pitched it to the US Navy and they said, no, Hetty, you're an actress. No, we're not gonna, but, but she managed to get that patented. And do you know how that affects us today? It underpins Wi-Fi and it underpins cell phones and Bluetooth. Hetty was responsible for that. These are people that changed the world. They're people that didn't get the headlines. They're people that we don't even know about today, but we benefit from how they changed the world. Now, here's my last one, Annie Londonberry. She was the first woman to circle, cycle around the world. Anybody ever hear of Annie? And I thought, man, that must have been terrible going through those oceans. <laughs> but she did it. And we don't hear about these people. These are little-known people that changed the course of history. And such is Deborah in the Bible. How many people know what contribution Deborah made to us today? No? Okay, we're going to talk about that. I'm really glad. Because I think it's time that Deborah's story is told. And when someone asks you questions out there, you can say, well, let me tell you about Deborah. It says, um, well, I, I call Deborah the Wonder Woman of the Old Testament. And uh, she was a person. She was chosen by God. And she made a significant contribution to the world. We're still talking about her years later. Now, okay, yeah, you can go back to that graphic. <laughs> I found this. 
And I want to call to your attention this, this scripture that said, Deborah, a prophetess, and here it mentions the wife of Lapidoth. She was a leader. She was leading Israel at the time. And I found this. Now, it, it mentions that she's a wife. That means she had a husband. And it means she had a personal life, right? And I looked at this and I said, you know, even Wonder Woman needs to be carried at home sometimes. Even strong women need some strong arms. But then she had to go out and she had to do her job. And, and it clearly tells us that God appointed. This is not something that Deborah rose up and said, I think I'm just going to do some ministry today. This Deborah was appointed by God. She was the only female judge in the Bible. She was, uh, she was a prophet and she was a judge, which meant that she spoke for God. Prophets communicated with God, God gave them what he wanted the people to know, and they would be the mouthpiece for God. That's what Deborah was. She was, she was strong. Some people um, said that she was the second Moses because of how she used her authority. But she was, the, one of the reasons, they only mention her husband once and they mention uh, that she was a wife once. And one of the reasons that this is, is because Deborah as a judge and a prophet emphasizes that a prophet could be married. God permitted prophets to be married. And God also permitted a woman to be in leadership. You can't refute Deborah. We go to the Old Testament and, and there she is. God has appointed her in, in two of the most incredible, uh, significant, and important roles that anyone could have. Now, the way that God worked prior to the judges was that he appointed leaders. And we know the name of Moses. We know Abraham. He was a leader. He, he led God's people. We know Moses. He led God's people out of slavery. We know that Joshua was the appointed leader after Moses. And uh, he, he led the people into the promised land. But the people, God's chosen people, his children, us, they were always rebelling. They were always going their own way. They were always being disobedient. And God loved his children. He loved his children. He designed his children so that they could have an abundant life. He, he was constantly, he always had a plan for his children. And so he was saying, you know what? Those leaders are not getting us anywhere. I've got another plan. And so God decided to implement a new form of leadership in place for his nation, his children, his chosen ones, the people that he loved. He said those appointed leaders didn't work, and now I'm going to appoint some judges. And we're going to look at this story this morning because Deborah was the fourth appointed judge. So let's look at the scripture here. It says, after Ehud died, and I'll tell you who he is in a minute, the Israelites once again did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, a king of Canaan. Now, I want you to keep these characters in your mind, in your head. The commander of his army was Sisera. Okay, everybody say that, Sisera. All right, that's the commander of the army. 
And because he had 900 iron chariots, now we don't relate to chariots, but think of military tanks. Okay, think of 900 military tanks. And, and they had 900 military chariots and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. And they cried to the Lord for help. So here's what happened. They had these appointed leaders. They had judges. And the people were rebellious. And so God allowed them to go into slavery for 20 years. And we have this judge, Ehud. He was the third appointed judge. And in the scripture, our story picks up where he dies. Okay, the third judge is dead. And Deborah is appointed. The people were off track again. They were worshiping other gods. They were not following or serving the one true God. And God's heart broke. And he said, once again, I need to give my people something that will get them back into understanding that they need to worship and following me. They were not confessing their sin. Their pride had gotten to a point where they were saying, well, it's your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. And God's heart was being broken. And so Deborah, he appoints Deborah, and, and, and the people have been led into slavery for 20 years. And this Canaanite King Jabin has his commander, Sisera, and Sisera is mean and ruthless of this Canaanite army. And the Israelites are under oppression, and, the, and the, they're in misery, and now they're ready to turn back to God. Just a little sidebar here. Have you ever been in misery? Have you ever felt oppressed? I think God is continually watching to see who or what we'll run to when we're in that misery. Well, the Israelite children, they realized they'd had enough, 20 years, and they said, okay, God, okay, we wave the, the white flag, and we're coming back to you. And so it says here that Deborah was now appointed the judge, and it says in Judges 4, 5, it says she held court under the palm of Deborah. Kelly said, wouldn't it be awesome to have a palm tree named after you? <laughs> the palm of gay, the gay palm. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, <laughs> It's legit. <laughs> okay. Uh, she held court under the palm of Deborah, and the Israelites came to her to have their disputes decided, and she sent for Barak. So here she is, the judge. The people are in turmoil. They're in trouble. They come to Deborah to ask her for guidance and to help uh, settle their disputes, and so she knows that they need help. She knows that it's time for military might. And so what does she do? She sends for her commander-in-chief, Barak. He's the commander of the Israelite army. And in that day, the times were disorderly, and the children of Israel had been led into the promised land, but they were constantly having to fight and be in battle for their territory that God had given them. And the times were violent, and they were always fighting for their survival. But do you know what Deborah does? She steps up. She steps up and she says, I accept what you've appointed me to be and to do, Lord. And so she summons Barak, the commander of the Israelite army, and she tells him, Barak, God has a job for you to do. And Barak looks at Deborah and he said, well, I'll do that job, but I'm not going to go if you don't go with me. Well, immediately, Deborah says, well, of course I'll go with you. 
And so now Deborah becomes the general of the military. She's with Barak, the commander, and they are headed into war. Did not hesitate. And in Judges 4, 6 through 10, it tells this story. You can go to your phones, you can go to your scripture, and you can look at this. But I'm just going to tell you this story. I don't have the, the scripture up there for you. I'd love for you to read it some other time. But the God of Israel, Deborah says, commands you to take these 10,000 soldiers and go to Mount Tabor, Tabor, where Sisera, remember him? He's the mean and ruthless commander of the Canaanite army. He will be there, and he's going to come with his chariots, his tanks, and his soldiers, and you will defeat him by God's power, she said to Barak. And that's when Barak said to Deborah, he said, well, I'll go, but you've got to go with me. And she said, okay, I'll go with you. And you know what's happening there? Barak is acknowledging Deborah's authority that has been given to her by God. He knew he had faith in God, and he believed that this war would be won. But he was putting more faith in Deborah than he was putting in God. And so he said, Deborah, I want you to go with me. And so side by side, they head into war. They go to Mount Tabor where God sends Sisera with his chariots and his soldiers, and Deborah directs Barak to approach with their 10,000 men. Can you see what's happening here? And she says to him, or he says to them, he says, go, this is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. That's God's promise. They were willing to march into war, to march into hell for a heavenly cause because God had appointed them to do a job. And so they, it says, has the Lord not gone ahead of you? Well, here comes Sisera, and Sisera sees Barak coming. And you know what Sisera does? This mean and ruthless and wretched man, he abandons his troops he runs away. He leaves them all behind. And Barak and Deborah and the Israelite army wipe the Canaanite army completely out. None are left. Now, war seems really bad, but we're getting to the rest of the gruesome story. Are you ready for this? Because this is like watching one of those movies that you want to turn off. But we can't. Because here it is in Judges 4, 17 through 25, Sisera is running away, cowardly, and he runs to the tent of a woman whom he thinks is an ally, who's going to help him out. And her name is Jael. And Jael helps him hide. And Jael invites Sisera into the tent, and Sisera asks her for some water, of course, He's worn out and he's tired. And she says, no, I'll give you something even better. I'm going to give you some milk. Well, Sisera drinks the milk and she says, I'll protect you. And he begins to go to sleep. She puts a blanket over top of him so no one can see him. And he, he feels safe and he goes to sleep. And the scripture says she took a tent peg and she drove the peg through his temple into the ground and he died. Aren't you glad you came to church today? <laughs> I watched this little cartoon. They were telling this story to children, 
And right at the end with these big, cute little eyes, she said, and their children is the rest of the story. And I'm thinking, those poor kids, they're probably traumatized for life. <laughs> but this is the story. I don't think it's a cartoon for kids. I'm not sure. But, but soon after, here's what happens. So here's the dead body. Here's jail. And Barak shows up the commander of the army that just wiped out the Canaanites. Barak shows up, and Jael shows him Sisera's dead body, and he realizes the prophet Deborah told the truth, that the credit for the death of Sisera would go to a woman. And it wasn't Deborah. And we didn't take pride in that, women, but this is what God did. Barak, they say, celebrated. So he wasn't like, oh my goodness, I just lost to a woman. No, they were partners. They were partners in this. And he was thankful for what had happened. And remember, things in the Old Testament work a little bit different than they do for us here in the New Testament age. But with Sisera dead, the Canaanite king, Israel's oppressor, got weaker and weaker and weaker because the evil was crushed because of the courage and because of the stepping up and the appointment that God had placed on Deborah's life and on Barak's life. Well, what does all of this mean for us? You may not know the story of Deborah. What does, why do I consider Deborah a goat? Why should we considered Deborah one of the greatest of all times in the Bible, though there are many, many people in the Bible who are the greatest. I want to give you the obvious first. God chose a woman early in the story to represent him. This really should speak to the controversy about every woman who leads in the church. I don't want to make a big deal out of this because I, have I was never called to be the banner for women. God called me to lead all people to Jesus. And so I'm not taking up for women here. But I can tell you in the past that I've dealt with, I had to answer a call in my life and I've dealt with this controversy in the church. Now here at Salem Fields, we've created a culture you know nothing else but to have a strong leader that's a female and a strong leader that's a male, you may look at us like a, a buddy and gay, but in reality, God called two strong leaders to carry the vision of Salem Fields Community Church, to reach people for Christ so that people could know Jesus and to have real hope anywhere, anytime, everyone. That's what he called. So I've never been an advocate for women's rights. You won't catch me in those, holding those placards. You won't catch me saying that women are better than men. You won't catch me saying away with men and up with women. No, God needs men and women to step up, to step up. And I can tell you that there are little girls here at Salem Fields that wouldn't think twice about they could become a pastor when they grow up because we've created a culture here that's biblical. And if anyone asks you, as someone did after the, the service last night, study this, 
research this. It says in Joel in the Old Testament, it says in Acts in the New Testament, it says, in the last days which we are living in, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Deborah was a senior leader of ancient Israel. And in your notes, I've put many women there that God used to begin churches, to spread the word of Jesus Christ that God used. And they were world changers. It was Priscilla, it was Phoebe. Look at those names. Go look, don't take my word for this. Please don't take my word for this. Because when God called me, I was prejudiced against myself. I said, a woman can't lead in the church. And so you know what I did? I went to the Lord and I went to the Holy Spirit and I said, God, I will not step out of your will. I will not. And so I began to research and I began to go to those scriptures and I said, God, is this a call that you truly want me to answer? And to the somewhat detriment of who I am for the next many, many years, God said, yes, I do. I need you to step up, Gay, and no matter what happens, no matter what the onslaught is, I have purpose for your life. And even though the onslaught has been difficult at times, my love for God, my desire to serve him at all costs has superseded what anyone thinks. I love Deborah. She's been my mentor for many, many years. I follow her lead. She's my example. Deborah, she was a woman, but she was a person who accepted the appointment of God. I've got some scriptures in there and I would ask that you go to those and you ask the Lord, don't just rely on what you've been taught or what you've been told. Please don't just take what I'm saying. Don't take it as truth. You do your research. You go to the Lord. You get confident so that you can speak to other people about what the Bible says and get the proper perspective of men and women relationships and husbands and wives and parents and children. One of the things that's been lost in our culture is an understanding of what it means to be brothers and sisters in Christ, joint heirs with Jesus. And I hope in the next act of my life that I can begin to talk about those kinds of relationships that are biblical, that will set people free. Our culture is so oppressed by so much of the folklore that people have come up with and have accepted as truth. But if we can encourage, if you can encourage yourself and I can encourage you to go to the word, to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, that he will reveal truth to you. Sometimes he speaks through the most interesting ways, but the word of God and the Holy Spirit is the one that you listen to, that you answer to, that you obey. No different than in Deborah's time. Deborah's leadership, well, let me back up. Uh, God, needs, God needs both men and women, not one or the other, to step up, to be available, to cooperate. It's no different for us today than it was for the people in Deborah's time. He needs people to fulfill his purpose on earth. Do you realize that his purpose will not get fully accomplished unless you do what he's called you to do? There'll be a hole. I remember when someone left the church and he was a musician. And I said, I wonder how many songs that God wanted him to write will not be sung. 
I wonder how many people will not be touched by Jesus because he decided that he didn't want to do this anymore. You have a purpose, and it will not be accomplished because God uniquely placed that in you to be discovered, to be developed, and to be given into the world. That's how he's working in this day. He needs people, and Deborah stepped up when times were tough. She didn't say, ooh, I have to give up that. I can't, I can't have my drink, or I can't do the things that I, I, I want to do. She didn't even think about those things. She said, what an honor it is to be appointed by God and to step up for him. I think our world needs to see people like that. And it says in the poetry, uh, chapter 5 is the poetry of Deborah and Barak. And it says that Deborah arose. She arose a mother in Israel. She accepted her what, what God had, had asked her to do. And she risked. And that's what great leaders do in difficult times. They risk. But they have to be confident in the call that God's placed on them and every single one of us are ministers of the gospel. Deborah also spoke with authority and she earned respect. That's where Aretha comes in. R-E-S-P-C-T. We need to spread that around a little bit more in our, our culture. She added value to people. Now, we may not be national leaders, but it's still important for us to establish credibility in the world. The same person last night as I had that discussion about women in ministry, and he had such an open mind, and he's a scientist and such a beautiful person to have an open mind and have a, a discussion that's not argumentative, but to just be open to possibly what God wants, wants us to do. He said, you know, the church, church people have lost credibility in the world because we're not being honest. We're not being honest about the things that we struggle with. That's the culture that we tried to create here at Salem Fields Community Church where you don't have to put on church face. That you can come in here and say, I struggle with pornography. I struggle with looking outside my marriage. I struggle with alcohol. Or I, Those struggles are what we all go through. But what we've chosen to do with that separates us from the world. And until we can get real and we can get honest and say, I struggle, and that's exactly what Deborah did. She spoke with authority and she earned respect and she established her credibility and she had integrity and she was faithful to fulfill what God had called her to fulfill. It's the same for us. It earns respect. And Deborah's leadership was affirmed by, by her followers, the people that were watching her and the people that were coming to her. She was a magnet. She was not a bulldozer. She did what Muhammad Ali and Mother Teresa and Michael Phelps and all of them did. She simply developed her gifts. She made herself available to God and she seized the opportunities that God had given her and she was faithful. And God... She didn't, she didn't step on people to get to the top. She didn't even think about that. Her focus was that she was going to be obedient. God knew that he could use that person because she didn't have a rebellious heart. She didn't have a disobedient heart. To me, in my book, that makes Deborah a goat. Her followers were better off and they recognized the authority that God 
had given her. They didn't get caught up in the folklore of, ooh, I just, I don't think she should be doing that because, no, Deborah led by example. She was an assigned warrior. But you do remember, the warrior is a child inside sometimes too. And at home, she needed those strong arms. But then she went out and she was faithful and and it says that she led by example. She was a prophet, she was a judge, she was a wife. She could have easily said that she'd be better off staying behind. It would have been a whole lot easier for her, but she didn't. She faced the reality and she exposed herself to the full consequences. She She knew there'd be consequences to this decision. When I accepted my call, to lead the church, I knew there'd be consequences. I accepted that right along. And, and, and I can tell you, there have been many, many things that I've had to work through and deal with as a result of answering that call in my life. But I knew that those consequences would come. Did it hurt me when it happened? You better believe it did. And I ran before the Lord and I got down beside my bed and I cried and I wept and I said, God, what do I do with this? And then I got back up and I continued to be faithful to him. And did I make mistakes? I'll bet bet Deborah didn't make nearly as many mistakes as I have in this, but she's been my mentor. And she faced reality and she exposed herself to that. She had true courage. And under Deborah's leadership, the enemy was defeated and the oppression was lifted from the people. Remember, they were in slavery. They'd been oppressed for 20 years and people returned to God. She changed the world for the better. And we're still talking about her today. Her story deserves to be told. And her poetic story concludes in these final words. Then the land had peace for 40 years. Pretty good outcome, isn't it? Pretty good outcome. But there's one thing that we need to reconcile that I want to call to your attention before we close this, and that's that gory scene of the peg being pounded into the head of that mean and wretched Sisera. Charles Spurgeon, who's a renowned theologian, he compared, now follow me here in New Testament time, he compared Sisera to sin. It's evil. It's wicked. And the biggest battle that you and I will ever face, we go into battle every day. It says put on the full armor of God every day because those slings and arrows are going to be shot at you to touch on that place inside of you to pull you away from God. That's the enemy's job. And he's doing a great job with a lot of us. And he says, put on the armor. We go into armor, we go into battle every day, but our greatest enemy is sin. It's that power within us that pulls us away from God. It's the choices that we make that continually weaken and erode and destroy the very fabric of our soul. Think of Sisera, evil, and think of jail how she took that peg and she pounded it into evil and wickedness. And Spurgeon says 
that we should never just be content to say, oh God, would you take my sins away? He said, no, you attack it. You attack it and you drive that sin to the only place that will put a nail in it and make it dead and that's to the cross. Because Jesus has already done that for you and I. And are we attacking it by running to Jesus every day? Are we putting on that full armor of God? Are we saying, God, I can't do this on my own. This sin is way bigger than me. This pull inside of me, I find myself over and over and over falling down. Well, that means we need to run to Jesus every moment. We can do that through the power of the Holy Spirit within us. And what happened to King Jabin, he got weaker and weaker. Sisera died. Same thing happens in our life. As we allow that to be destroyed, we will become stronger and stronger by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we'll be able to face those slings and arrows because we have God's angels and his spirit guiding and directing and protecting us on a daily basis. We have no reason to fall to the enemy because he wants to equip us to go into battle. Kind of a comparison there between the Old Testament and where we're at today makes total sense, doesn't it? Because the nails that Jesus took for us on that cross ended the battle. He gave us victory. And the question is, are we allowing that to be our life on a daily basis? Are we running to Jesus? Are we willing to let our pride down and confess and be vulnerable and weep and say, God, I know I'm wrong in that, and I need your power. I am dead in the water if your power isn't the one that is my generator throughout the day and your protection with your armor. Because when, you see, when we receive that from Jesus, sin gets nailed. And we can be victorious people in a world that's constantly trying to pull us down. In Colossians it clearly says, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature, every single one of us was born with a sinful nature. If you're a parent, you know that if you don't give your child any, uh, any um, if you don't tell, give them the boundaries, if you don't tell them what's right and wrong, if you just let them go on their own, they're not gonna get better and better and better. That's why we need parents. They're just gonna get worse and worse and worse because the natural nature of all of us is to go our own way, is to do the wrong thing. And this clearly says, because your sinful nature was not yet cut away, then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all of our sins. That's the only way that they can be canceled. He canceled the record of the charges that were against us. When we run to Jesus, that's what happens. And he took it away by nailing it to the cross. And in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities, and he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. I wonder if we're living victorious in that 
today. Deborah was an example of a person, not just a woman. Don't reduce her to a woman. She was a person that God called and appointed, and she was faithful to that. You see, whatever you're carrying, this is relevant to us today. If it's fear, if it's insecurity, if it's a low self-esteem, if it's this self-talk that's tearing you down, Whatever that is, that can be dealt with when we run to Jesus and we allow him to nail whatever that is and allow his Holy Spirit to reveal in us what it is that needs to be nailed to that cross so it will die and you will live. Sin will get weaker and weaker and weaker if you choose to allow it because that's what he did on the cross because he gives us peace he gives us forgiveness, he gives us life, and he gives us victory. Oh, that the world would see victorious Christians and not just church people. Victorious Christians. Deborah, she was an ordinary person, just like us, but she made herself available to God and developed who he created her to be and was faithful to the end. What is that inside of you? Maybe you need to run to Jesus. Maybe you need to step up, whatever that is. Would you allow God to speak to you in this song? Darkness tries to roll over my bones Sorrow comes to steal the joy out When brokenness and pain is all I know That I won't be shaken That I won't be shaken Cause my feet doesn't stand a chance Yeah. 
Something's nailed to a cross, Lord. It's painful. And so I pray, Lord, that we would be people who would receive and accept the power that only you can give to us. That we would run to the cross, Jesus. The nails have already been placed. All we have to do is receive that forgiveness and trust and believe in you, Jesus. And so, Father, thank you so much for the people here, for those online. God, I thank you so much for your power and your grace that allows us to make mistakes and get back up again. I thank you for the example of Deborah. I thank you for who she's been in my life, God. And I pray, Lord, that we would not reduce her down to a woman, but see her as a leader appointed by God that accepted the call, just as you call each one of us to whatever it is, whether it's cleaning toilets or running uh, production or singing music or going to work on a daily basis as a trainer or whatever that is, Lord, you've called each one of us, I pray that we would discover and develop and deliver whatever that is within each one of us to the world. You see us all as goats, and I'm so thankful for that. So this morning, I don't know, and this is always a special time when the Holy Spirit is here like we've never been like this before and just two things from this message maybe you're here this morning and you need to run to Jesus to the foot of that cross and to have some sin in your life handed over to him and forgiven if you're like that this morning I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand because it's going on in your heart the Holy Spirit is speaking to you you know what you need to do accept Jesus as your personal Savior so that he can show you that he has power for you to be victorious on a daily basis. Would you run to him? Would you ask him to forgive you? Would you accept him as your savior, one that died on that cross and was resurrected again, came back to life and lives now? And we get to connect with him through the power of the Holy Spirit that's here right now. The second thing is, maybe there's something in your life that you know you've needed to do, that God has asked you to do, and it's time to step up. It's time to risk. 
It's time to forget about what everybody else is thinking and to tune in and to key in to that voice in your life and accept the consequences of that decision for God. To be courageous enough to be disliked because God will smile on your acceptance of what he's asked you to do. Father, I thank you so much for the power of your Holy Spirit. You speak to us. It hurts sometimes, but God, it's for our, our restoration, our redemption. That's why you came. That's why you're here. So, Father, thank you for this time that we've had here together. I just pray that as we leave this place, that it won't just be something that we experienced here, that, but, but we'll take this out into our world on a daily basis, and the light of Christ will shine because your power is so real. We love you, God. We give you all the glory for everything that's happened here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so now you can tell the story of Deborah. Right? I'm counting on that. See you next time.